Good morning, party people. It is June the 3rd. It is Friday and it is 12, 14 p.m. here in Algiza, Egypt. And today I think I'm finally able to put together or piece together my experience at the Museum of Civilization here in Egypt where I got to saw the mummies. Now, this is going to be a ragtag rendition of this because I'm going to tell you a little bit about the mummy I saw and then I'm going to tell you what I saw. Um, I tried to record. I was going to vocally record what I was looking at. They won't let you take pictures. They won't let you take video. They will not let you record. So the only thing I was able to do was write this stuff down and um, try to write down as much as I could that was on the placards. Now, there was one guy who let me vocally record what was on some of the placards. But I, I still came out of there like wishing I was able to vocally record exactly what I was seeing when I was looking at the mummy. So um, let's begin. So first of all, the Museum of Civilization is an amazing building. Um, it's beautiful on the inside and the way that they have it structured is great. Uh, the main exhibit hall is beautiful um, and it go you know, it starts with ancient Egypt and it goes all the way into, you know, uh, the common era where you kind of get to see how the Greeks and the Romans, you know, their, their influence. And what I'm learning is that Egypt really does, uh, I'm not going to say they value it, but I, they really do give a lot of credit in their history to the Greeks and the Romans. And I really think that's more of a, um, I don't want to say a forcing of, but I think once the Romans came in, they just kind of took over and, you know, like they do, began to take the culture and say that they influenced the culture. So anyway, there's also like a textiles exhibit in the Museum of Egypt that you should go see in the Museum of Civilization that you should see. That's amazing. Um, but down in the bottom are the mummies and it is, there are 18 Kings and three Queens down in this, the bottom of this museum. So you get to see 21 mummies and these mummies were excavated and inventoried and moved to the National Museum of Egyptian Civilization in an event that was called the Pharaoh's Golden Parade. So they actually like did a whole event around moving these mummies from one place to the other. When you go into this place, it's um, when you go down into the, where the mummies are, everything is black. Black marble, black marble walls, black marble floors, black tiles, black, 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 black. And the lighting is minuscule um, at best. So it's, it's, it's an experience just going down in, in there. And it's a very cool environment. Um, and the way they have it set up is dope. I mean, I can't, I can't say that any other way. It's a great introduction um, to seeing the mummies and, and being able to describe the visual. Um, the sarcophaguses, which is another word for caskets. Um, they're huge. You know, I, I realized that people were being buried in caskets that were way larger than they were like. And I, I think that's because they put so many other things in the caskets of the of the, the kings and queens. But they're huge. And a lot of them look like wood, 
but they 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 may be metal you know uh they may be iron or they may have been copper um uh one of them had like a one of the queen's sarcophaguses had like a it was shaped like a female of course it was a female's face and it had like a golden snake on the head like those kind of things very symbolic very 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 symbolic so the first uh i want to say the first one that i saw but i don't think this was the first one that i saw but um it's the first one i wrote down um it has to be at least the second one because i know as soon as i got in there i i tried to record and the guy was like no 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 and then i stood there for a moment and then i walked to the next one and then i was like let me see if i can just write this stuff down so it's atmos nefertari atmos nefertari a-h-m-o-s-e atmos nefertari was a female and she ruled for 25 years from 1550 to 1525 bc and she played an important role in founding in the founding of the 18th dynasty now mind you these dynasties go back all the way to like ninth dynasty not down in the where the mummies are but the dynasties start way earlier than the mummies that you experience when you go down there um but anyway she founded played an important role in founding a dynasty right um the 18th dynasty and rebuilding the nation after the hyksos were expelled from egypt now i need to figure out who the hyksos were because um they come up when you read about hatshepsut her grandfather ran no, her father. It was either her father or, or her grandfather ran the Hyksos out of Egypt. So um, when you read about his Hatshepsut's childhood, you read about the Hyksos. And I don't really know who these people were. I don't know where they came from, anything like that. Um, but Akmos um, was the first royal woman to be designated the god's wife of Amun. And Amun was the, the, the god that they, they, they served. It was the sun god, um, part of Mayat, which was their religious system at the time. Um, she was the founder of the divine Volturises of Karnak. And she was the daughter of Sekener Tau II. And the wife of Akmos I, mother of Amenhotep I. And after her death, she was considered the patron of Western Thebes, and its entire necropolis. Now, when I looked at her body, she had very small feet. She probably wore about a four. Um, she was small frame. She was short. She was probably four one. No, 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 no. She was probably like four eight. She was close to five feet, but she was short. She was shorter than me. And I'm five feet. So she was short. She was a little woman. You know, you think about, I think about people like, um, and I'm sure she's probably taller than me, but like when I think about small fr- framed women that everybody might know, I think of like a Jada Pinkett Smith. I think of like a uh, Quinta Brunson, you know, but but small framed as well, like a little woman. Um, and her hair was braided. You can still see the extensions. Um, if you go see this exhibit, you can still see her hair and it is fully on her head. Now, a part of me thought they were extensions, but you can't really see. Like, I'm looking, 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 but the way that the lighting is set up in there, you just can't really tell. But a part of me is like, no, that's her hair because if they were extensions, they would still, you know, if they were extensions, they wouldn't have been real necessarily. Unless the Egyptians was doing, you know, what we're doing now, which is using human hair. Um, the extensions would have still been a little bit more in place, but 
this was withered hair, but it's still fully on her head. Um, and then we go to Amenhotep the first. Amenhotep the first ruled for 21 years from 1525 to 1504 BC, and um, his body was primarily still secured in bandages. Um, you you actually get to see more of his sarcophagus than you do kind of of him. Um, but on his sar- sarcophagus, you see uh, they've taken the turquoise stone, they've taken a red stone, and they've taken taken lapis lazuli, and and it's in his sarcophagus, like not in it physically, but like it's in the design of his sarcophagus. And Amenhotep was um, initiated, he initiated the building projects at the Temple of Amun-Ra. So, um, and this was after the Hyksos were expelled. Once again, you hear that name, the Hyksos, H-Y-K-S-O-S. Um, he was the first pharaoh to have his tomb separated from his mortuary temple and burial complex. So most of the 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 pharaohs and kings before him, they um, their tomb was in the same space as the fam like where the family was buried. He was the first to say, "No, I want to be buried somewhere else." Um, he was the sacred ruler of the 18th dynasty, second, second sacred. He was the second ruler of the 18th dynasty. He was the son of Akmos I. He was handsome and he was popular, okay? Um, they loved him and they deified him because we love beautiful people. And then we go to Tutmos. Tutmos I. Now, Tutmos I, this is where we start getting into, like, real history because this is where I was like, okay, I got my, I'm rocking and rolling. I know what I'm doing now. I know what I want to tell the people. <laughs> so Tutmos the first led military campaigns into Nubia. Now Nubia is where the darker Egyptians were. And I really believe that, um, it wasn't a colorism thing. I think it was a power thing. I think the Nubians, um, had, 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 developed a civilization that was envied. Let me just put it that way. I do think the Nubians had developed a civilization that was envied. They had figured out how to survive in these desert conditions in a way that other people really hadn't done it. And so, you know, the Egyptians were like, we got to be bigger, better, and stronger. And that's kind of what they did. And they were always kind of going back and forth with the Nubians. And ultimately, the Nubians were displaced by uh, not just turmoil between man and man, but, you know, people began to get help from outside and change the landscape of the land. And the Nubians were ultimately, like, drowned out of their their place in, in this whole thing. And by that, I mean a dam was built and it destroyed their whole territory and it divided them up and they were never allowed, like by law, were never allowed to congregate as a community or as a civilization of people. So they're everywhere in Egypt now. Okay, so anyway, Tutmos um, was no bigger than me, y'all. He was like 5'1", and he began many building projects and extensions at the Great Temple of Amun in Karnak, including the Hippotsal, built entirely of cedar wood columns. And uh, Tutmos I 
was the first king to be buried in the Valley of the Kings. And the Valley of the Kings is amazing. It's ama- it's a beautiful, beautiful space. And uh, Hatshepsut's temple overlooks the Valley of the Kings. Um, his architect, Anini, was commissioned to dig his tomb for him. Um, third ruler of the 18th dynasty, heir of Amenhotep. He married Princess Akmos and possible sister of Amenhotep I. She gave him two daughters, Hatshepsut and Nefer, Neferkeb. Neferkeb. Um, Tutmos I, um, his hands were to his side. Now, I noticed there are four different positions when these mummies are buried. They're either both hands crossed over the chest in the way that we see they see the symbol um, in Black Panther. There's the right hand over the chest where the, the, the hand is in a fist over the heart and the left hand is down to the side. Then there's both hands down to the side. And then there is both hands crossed but over the stomach. Instead of like crossed up where the fists are up near the neck, they are crossed down where the 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 crossing is over the stomach so um Tutmos the first um his hands were to his side in death um his sarcophagus has gold lapis and turquoise and red included in the wood and it is beautiful um and he's Nubian according to the little fading skin on his bones he is Nubian. He's not, he's not the color of sand. He's not even the color of Café Olay. He's not even the color of Macchiato. He's deep brown. He black coffee. So it's interesting to see the dynamics of, 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 of colorism because this was before race. You can't say he was a black man. You know what I mean? If you're saying he's a, I, I can only tell y'all he was a dark-skinned man. He was a dark-skinned Egyptian, and <clears throat> even though he fought the Nubians, he, in my mind, he was Nubian. And if he wasn't Nubian, what dictated them to be Nubian outside of location and skin color, right? So then we go to Tutmos the third, Tutmos the second, Tutmos the second. He reigned for 13 years from 1492 to 1479 BC. He was the father of Tutmos III. And this is what's interesting about Tutmos III. So y'all know Isis, right? Yes, Isis. Isis was the mother of Tutmos III. She was a concubine to Tutmos II. So she was never a queen. The queen was Hatshepsut. Hatshepsut... (laughs) determined herself to be a pharaoh she said she had heard the voice of god and back then if you were royal and you heard the voice of god you could tell people anything and i'm not saying that she didn't hear the voice of god what i'm saying is it is recorded that she came to the people and said the voice of god told me to rule the people now she was able to rule because she was the regent of tutmos the third who was supposed to step in to be king but he was too young he is the half brother of had she, well, he's a stepbrother because um, her father never married Isis. So he was the stepbrother of Tutmos III. 
but daughter. But women were not allowed to be pharaohs. So since she was the daughter of the king and the next heir apparent was underage, she stepped in as his regent. And while she was his regent, um, her servant, Sinmut, came and told her, you need to be Pharaoh. So they got together. She got, got in front of the people and was like, hey, I'm the new Pharaoh. And she stayed Pharaoh until Tutmosis III grew up. And him and his mama Isis got together and eventually he got into that seat. So Tutmosis II um, was the father of Tutmosis III, bore by Isis, his concubine. Um, his body, uh, there's still balding on the top. He balded on the top. So that was still a thing for men. And he still had his side hair. So he had his like sideburns and uh, his little wavy hair. It was very wavy hair. He had that good, good. And his hands were crossed in death. Um, and I cannot remember if they were crossed at the top or bottom because I didn't, I wasn't noticing that at the time. I just noticed that they were crossed and he conducted a campaign to Syria. Um, to secure the northern borders and another into Nubia. Once again, these Tutmoses, they were all about Nubia. He dedicated a shrine to Amun-Ra at Karnak. He suffered from poor health like his father. He died early, and he was the fourth ruler of the 18th dynasty, son of Tutmos I and Princess Mut, Nefret. He married Queen Heshepsut, who bore him a daughter, Neferu-Ra. And he had a son, Tutmos III, from Princess Isis. Okay? So there you have it. Tutmosis II, father of Tutmosis III, whose mother was Isis. He was married to Hatshepsut, okay, who, when he died, she began to wear the Pharaoh's beard and the covering. So she was a woman dressing as a Pharaoh. All right, so then we get to Heshepsut. Um, she opened the routes for maritime trade with Punt. So Punt is what is now modern-day uh, Ethiopia and Sudan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so she, began, she reopened trade with them um, after a hiatus that had lasted for centuries. Um, she commissioned construction projects at Karnak, Istabel, Antar, and her mortuary temple at Deir el-Bahari. She managed the affairs of Egypt after the death of her husband, Tutmos II. And they don't never really say what was wrong with him, but he knew he was dying. Like, he knew when he was dying, and he was able to prepare for that. Um, as regent to heir to most a third, who was very young, in her sixth year of her regency, she declared herself Pharaoh and pushed to most a third aside. Most of her monuments were vandalized after her death because of the Am Amurite rejection of female rulers. She was the daughter of Tutmos the first and the wife of Tutmos the second, who she bore Neferudara. Now, she also had a her daughter um, married Tutmos III, but she died at 20. And I believe, they don't say it, but I believe that once he was of age and his mama was like, listen, you that's supposed to be your position, baby. I don't know what's going on here, but, you know, you need to take your throne. Uh, 
I believe he killed. I believe he. I believe they poisoned her, the daughter, and that that cut into Hatshepsut's uh, sadness. And then nobody can tell us what happened to Hatshepsut. They'll say she died of natural causes, but there was conflict between her and her stepbrother. There was conflict between her and Isis. Isis hated sitting at the back of those rows when Hatshepsut was having these grand affairs and putting up these huge, colossal uh, structures. It is said that Hatshepsut was building like she was a king, like she was putting them up there like one of the largest uh columns to date that stands in egypt was erected during the reign of Hatshepsut. okay so um she ruled for 15 years from 1473 to 1458 bc and she is one arm up over the heart one arm to the side in death okay one arm over the heart like i told y'all one to the side um she there was no hair on her head but her earlobe is extended she doesn't have the small piercing earlobe she has those extended earlobes and it still has had the the uh, i don't know what they're called y'all got a couple of friends who've extended their earlobes but y'all know what i'm talking about and she still has them in her ears and she's no taller than five seven her skin tone is like reddish brown um it's the skeleton stain is like a it's like a reddish brown on it but she was small framed um and no taller than five seven okay and then we get to two most the third so this is where you know it gets real um he was really young he died really young his um both arms are crossed over the chest in death so what i'm thinking is if you were the real pharaoh your arms are crossed at the top if you stood in as a pharaoh but weren't the next in line to be the heir, your one arm crossed one down to the side. If you were the um I'm okay, let me just keep keep moving forward and we'll figure it out because I'm some of this stuff I'm figuring out is I'm telling y'all. Um Tutmos the third. He Oh, I didn't even write about him, did I? Mm, yeah, I didn't even get his um his information, y'all. Okay, well, I'll just read from what I saw. Um, he was dark-skinned. The stain on his bones is darker. Like, if you look at his Shepsut, it's like a reddish color. It's like, in, like Native American Indian. Mm, it's a weird red color. But um, on Tumos III his he's dark-skinned. So it leads us to, to Isis who may have been a concubine from another place. She may not have been a Egyptian concubine in the sense of being from that area. Um, he had very small hands. His head shape was like, his cranium was kind of big and it was kind of extended back um, from his head. He had a large cranium and uh, he ruled for 54 years but uh his 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 mummy looks really young like small young and 54 is young y'all it's, it's it's young especially to be in egypt at that time because they didn't have all the the, the stuff that decimates the body from the inside out like we do now so you know 
uh, his teeth were all still intact. Um, so yeah, that's what I have about him. Um, he, he probably wore a size. Oh, no, no, no. Never mind. That's this other dude. Okay. So then we got to Hamenotep the second. Okay. Hamenotep the second was co-regent with his father, Tutmos the third. Okay. So Tutmos the third became Pharaoh, had a child. And for two years, um, Amenhotep uh, served as the commander of the naval base, uh, Peru Neferet, Memphis. He conducted many architectural projects at Heliopolis, Giza, Dendera, Thebes, and Aswan. He secured the empire that he inherited from his father and held military campaigns to maintain the holdings of Egypt abroad. So he was doing international stuff. He was handsome and athletic and delighted in hand-to-hand comeback. Not gun-slanging, hand-to-hand comeback. You're going to get these hands. I love it. Archery and horsemanship. His tomb was used in the late period as a mummy cache for a number of kings for the new kingdom. He was the son of Tutmosis III and Medethra Hatshepsut, married several times had its heir, the Fourth from Queen Tael. Okay, let me say that again. He was the son of Tutmosis III and Medethra Hatshepsut. And Medethra Hatshepsut married several times, had its heir, the Fourth from Queen Tael. Okay, so even though he... Succeeded his stepsister Hatshepsut. He married a woman named Medethra Hatshepsut. So these names, you know, they, they it's, it's kind of a way for them to keep everything in the family, y'all. Um, and I will do some more research, but you know, I'm only here for a year, and I'm it's so much I'm trying to accomplish. It's so much I am accomplishing while I'm here that y'all are really getting like the 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 basic necessities of these experiences. So, um, when we're talking about uh, Amenhotep II, um, he wore probably like an eight shoe. The first thing I noticed was how like large his foot was uh, in comparison to the other foot sizes that I had saw before. Um, he was definitely a black man, y'all. And his, I, I hate to say this, I don't hate to say it, but y'all gonna be like, girl, are you on crack? I'm like, no, I'm not on crack. But even his mummy is handsome. Like, when you look at the bone structure, when you look at the head size, when you look at the body, I'm like, this, you could tell he was handsome. And it's, like, amazing that you can look at a, <laughs> you can look at a mummy and be like, mm-hmm, he could have got it. <laughs> anyway, he was a black man, and he was athletic. And you could just tell just the way the mummy laid in the, in the, in the, in the uh, exhibit. It's just, it's, it's amazing to see. Um, and he ruled once again from 1427 to 1400 BC. Um, yeah, and that's all I have on Amenhotep II. So then we go to the IV, who I didn't write about either. I don't have anything on him. Um, but he had silky hair, y'all. This child has silky, silky hair. And you can still see it. Like, it's that water wave, like, 
it's not it's not the, the the sun kink i call it the sun kink it's not it doesn't have that natural sun kink um his hands were crossed over his chest in death and he was maybe like five six and he also had piercings in his ears um that's Tutmos the fourth and Tutmos the fourth once again is the son of queen tayel he's the grandson of amenhotep the second if i'm not mistaken okay and then we get to queen taye queen taye um whose name means deity of light she died in her 60s and she was considered the great mother of kings and this is why uh she was a royal wife of king amenhotep the third and they were she married he married her in the second year of his reign so i'm not sure if he had a wife before her but he may have started out as a single man and then married her which was in 1428 bc and they commemorated their marriage on several scarabs and i know scarabs are beetles so i would i would have to do a little bit of research to figure out what does it mean that they commemorated the marriage on several scarabs <clears throat> she was of non-royal origin so she did not come from rich folk uh but queen taye was considered beautiful okay um her father was yuya he was a holy man he was a priest um in akmen and her mother thuya was a servant of the queen Mutenweya, who was the mother of King Amenhotep III. Um, queen Taye was a lady of strong personality and sharp intelligence, possibly an Aquarius, a Gemini, Scorpio. Those are the women who are sharp and intelligent. Um, but if this is sharp, she may not have been emotional, so I'm going to take Scorpio up out of there. Um, she held several administrative positions in the palace and she played a role in foreign diplomacy in Egypt. Um, she also played a major role in keeping Egypt stable during the Armana period. And the Armana period is when, um, you start seeing names like, um, basically the Armana period was when other family names got put into the royal plate of rulership. So you start seeing Akhenaten and two let me see how i can say these names y'all tutankhamun tutan you know so um she she bore kings okay all of her sons were kings and ultimately ended up being kings and she was a big part of keeping egypt stable when all of these like all of this royalty is coming out of her womb and um her husband uh, set up a great palace for her with a huge lake can you imagine somebody building a house for you and it's like you got a lake um, at uh, Malkata in Thebes and uh, he erected uh, colossal statues that were equivalent to those in the Temple of the Kings. And her features became a model for the features of the goddess Mut. Um, she was the mother of King Amenhotep, Akhenaten. She, uh, five princes, princes and Tutankhamun. Um, and I may have said that last little part all wrong, but when you see the <clears throat> skeletal remains, the mummified remains of Taye, um, you see very, very, very silky dark brown hair. Her head, her head, her her head is still full of hair, full, 
I'm not talking about half. I'm not talking. It's full. You can see the hairstyle, everything. It's beautiful. And um, her left hand is over her heart. And so her left hand is up over her heart. So maybe there was five positions, y'all. And then the right hand is to the side. She was maybe 5'5". Five, five. Maybe 5'5". Five, five. No taller than 5'5". Five, five. Um, and she was buried in the Valley of the Kings. And her sarcophagus on it, it has like eyes, eyes. Not like real eyes, but like possibly... I, I can't even imagine what the stone would be. Like limestone, I don't know. But like eyes on it. All right. So I think I'm going to get out of like reading because I don't have any more of the background on any of the other mummies. It was hard, y'all. It's, I, you know, and I'm the stuff that I'm reading is not stuff I can find on internet. On the internet, it's the stuff that I read in the actual exhibit. So I apologize. <clears throat> um. Then I saw Seti the first. He was tall, y'all, like five nine to six feet. And I know some of y'all are like, that ain't tall, but I'm five feet. So, yes, that is tall. Um, he revived Egypt after the Amana crisis. And I got to figure out what the Amana crisis was. Um, his arms were crossed at death. He has one of the most beautiful tombs at the Valley of the Kings. He was the child of Ramses I and Queen Setra. He ruled for 15 years from 1294 to 1279 BC, 19th dynasty. And then we move to Ramses II. Okay? Ramses II. Do I have Ramses I in here? I believe they had Ramses I in there, y'all. But I don't have it written down. I'm going to have to. You know what? I'll go back. I'll go back to the museum before I leave here. Um. Ramses II, his sarcophagus has knees, belly, it's very 3D. So his sarcophagus, instead of laying um, in landscape style, it's, it's vertical. So you can kind of like step to the side and see that it's not flat. Like some of the sarcophaguses, even though they're etched, they have etchings in them, it doesn't stand out. It's like, mm, it's like patterns, but... When you see Ramses II, it's like 3D. Like the knee, is, the, 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 the features protrude from the wood. And he was an older man in death. Uh, but his sarcophagus is gorgeous. Um, his arms were crossed at death. He had light colored hair, almost like, like a sandy brown. Um, and his second toes were super long. I don't know if that matters or not, but his second toes on both of his feet were like long, long. Like, I don't even know what that was. Um, he had a long neck compared to the other ones. And his nose was like a beaked nose. It, it, it was like a Jewish nose. Very, very. Um, he was about 5'7 to 6 feet. And uh, around 66 years old, maybe. Uh, and he reigned from 1279 to twelve. 13 BC. Um, and he was a uh, ruler of the 19th dynasty. He fought in battle as a teen. He fathered more than 100 sons. He was the his uh, most beloved wife was Queen Nefertari, uh, who was considered the great royal wife. 
okay? So he had over 100 sons. So when he wasn't fighting, he was making love. Um, then we had Marin, Marin Pata, Marin Pata, 10 years from 1213 to 1203 BC, 19th dynasty, one of the greatest warrior pharaohs of ancient Egypt, red skinned, once again, flat nose and arms crossed at death. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and I'll do a second part of this so that I can clear up, clear up uh, some of this so that we can really get into the body positions, the, 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 the color of the skin on the bones, the hair, the teeth. A lot of these people still had all of their teeth in their mouth. Um, as a matter of fact, some of them, the mouth was closed and some of them, the, the lips had kind of separated. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go back. I'll go back y'all. Um, and then, um, we had Sipta who reigned from 1194 to 1188 BC, six years, victim of polio, Neolitis, polioneulitis, and severe skin diseases. Died at 16. One of his feet is deformed or broken. And that may have been them taking, I don't know, it may have gotten, it could, it could have literally been a deformity. Or it could have gotten broken when they were taking him out of his tomb or something. I don't know. Uh, but he had this tight, 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 coily hair. God, I wish I could have taken a picture of this, y'all. I just, it's, mm. Um, like, and I see it on the students at school all the time, but he had this tight coily hair and, uh, yeah, he died very young and his arms were crossed at the belly. He was the first one who I noticed that the arms were crossed at the belly. So I'm gonna go back and, and, and make sure that I get all of this straightened out for y'all. Um, Sipta. So that was his name. And then we have Ramses III. Now, Ramses III is the Ramses that showed up in my brother's DNA 23andMe. And Ramses III is going to show up in a lot of people's uh, 23andMe or your DNA uh, results because he was one of the most handsomest, most virile, most... Uh, he was a warrior, 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 warrior. And Ramses III had over, um, he also had over a hundred sons. He had like a lot of kids, like a lot, a lot. And it's funny because my brother got a lot, a lot of kids. So I think, you know, you kind of inherit. <laughs> that is not no shade, y'all. My brother got a lot of kids to me. So, uh. You know, if you if you are a descendant of Ramses and you a baby maker, you get it honest. Um, but he ruled uh, the 20th dynasty, 31 years from 1184 to 1153 B.C. Um, and inside his sarcophagus are the four amulets of sons of Horus um, inside his body cavity. So when they buried him, they opened his body up. And put in amulet symbols of the four sons of of the sons of Horus. Um, one of his toes was amputated on his left foot from an attacker. Um, he had a strong, strong, strong skeletal structure, y'all. It just you can t you look at it, and you go, yeah. 
And I also wondered, did he have a weave on his head? Did he have on like a wig? Because up close, I tried to look and tried to like make it make sense, but I wasn't sure. But he did have hair on his head that didn't quite look like original hair. Um, now, after him, we have Ramsey's. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't even write the name down of this last one. But it says, smallpox entered Egypt during 1147 to 1143. Now, we all know from dealing with COVID that it may have been documented in 1184, uh, but it was there before that because we already see that because polio had entered Egypt in 11, sometime during the reign of Sipta between 1194 and 1188. So now we're seeing that, okay, we're starting to get diseases or we're starting to be able to identify diseases, okay? Now, we're getting into smallpox. Y'all know we're dealing with, we don't went from chickenpox to monkeypox. So, smallpox entered Egypt during the reign of Ramses V. Ramses V. Um, oh, this is Ramses V. He may have died in captivity, uh, which means that he may have been captured in battle and died there. He did not have any heirs. Um, and he suffered from a fatal injury to the skull. And you can see it. Uh, he got hit um, maybe by something with a sharp, something sharp, because it's a hole, like it's a cracked hole in his skull, in the back of his skull. And he was easily 6'5, y'all. He was tall. He was tall. Um, he was a black man. Then, you know, kind of had that Maasai warrior build. So I think a lot of these people were coming from Central Africa into the upper northern or into the upper northern regions that upper northern regions that we now call Ethiopia and the Sudan and, and, and you know, making their way down into Egypt. And, you know, Africa was vast, you know, and 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 beautiful and full of color, full of all kinds of color and hairstyles and lifestyles and tattooed people and you know, everything that we see black people coming into now with decorating our bodies, this is ancestral. It's ancestral. You know, burning of incense, it's ancestral. Putting on oils, it's ancestral. Wearing colors and, and being brilliant and being big and bodacious and, you know, got to have the biggest belt buckle and got to have the latest and greatest. This is all ancestral, y'all. We just need to reel it in and make it our own again. If Louis Vuitton ain't supporting blackness, and blackness is supporting Louis Vuitton, then maybe we need to find who out, figure out who the black Louis Vuitton is. You know what I mean? So um, until then, I will continue to sell those hot bags, you know, because um, Louis Vuitton ain't paying my bills. So that's what I experienced at the Museum of Civilization. And it is worth your visit. It is worth your time. It is worth your effort. Even though you cannot take pictures and you cannot really record and you cannot take video, I implore you that when you visit, take a pencil and a small notebook and take your time and document what you see. Let me say that again. When you come to Egypt and you go to the Museum of Egyptian Civilization and History, where you get to see these 18 beautiful, beautiful, oh, dug up <laughs> remains of human beings, have a notepad with you and take your time and document what you see. It is so worth it. 
It is so worth it. Because now just going back through what I wrote, I'm like, oh, yeah, now I got to go back to verify what I saw, not what I read. Because what, what you read, you can get that anywhere. You can get on the Internet. But you cannot get what you see online. And to be that up close to <laughs> the... the I don't know. You just go through a lot. You you know, like I was thankful to see Hatshepsut because that's who we studied this year with my fifth graders. We read a whole book on her, like a whole book on her life. I know that Sinmut was her valued assistant. I know that Tutmos III was her stepbrother and Isis was her was his mother. Like I know the story of Hatshepsut. So to see her actual mummy, uh was crazy, sexy, cool. You know what I mean? Like, it was crazy in the fact that, like, these motherfuckers done dug up a whole body. A sacred body. A body who believed in my yacht. A body who, you know, uh, was favorable. A body who dressed up as a man in, you know, to protect and preserve her country. You know, a body who was co-regent to her brother until he became of age to run Egypt. It's crazy like that. But it's also cool to go, wow, that's Hatshepsut. And to have been to her, t- her, her temple over in Valley of the Kings. And to see how majestic. To stand in that space and go, damn, this belonged to somebody. And to see the story of her trades with the people of Punt. And to know that the people of Punt were dark-skinned people. And the, the queen of Punt during the trades... That during Hatshepsut's time, when Sinmut went over there, he traded. And to know that the queen of Punt was a short, thick, big-bootied, dark-skinned black woman. So we in this thing, y'all. We in this thing. But we've got to get over here. Y'all have got to quit putting uh, grease before Africa. You've got to stop putting France before Africa. You've got to stop putting Rome before Africa. You got to stop putting Spain before Africa. Because n- you won't see nothing more majestic. Now, I know some of y'all with the, the Christian base, y'all be like, no, but the cathedrals in Rome. And I'm like, girl, all of that shit is based off of the temples in Egypt. And Egypt is not even the end of it. You got to get into Central Africa. You got to get into um, the Congo <laughs> you got to get into the Congo You got to get into Central Africa And then head on down to Nigeria and, and all of these other places I haven't been But I did find Little Egypt I mean I did find little Nigeria here in Egypt And I got to go there And I got to meet some people from Ghana And they, it's just I don't know y'all I just know that I carry the DNA Because I'm passionate about it It It, it it brings something alive in me um, every time I learn something new about my people. It brings something, like something shifts, and I know that. I respond to it. So being here this year has been um, beyond my wildest. And to be able to serve, you know, not just be over here as a visitor or as a researcher, but to be able to serve, to be able to be in classrooms, honey, doing the real work. Um, so, 
that's what I wanted to tell y'all. You got to come here. You got to visit. Um, you got to experience it. You got to just see how we're living. And I really do believe that Egypt is a place that has really taught me how to survive whatever is going on in America. Because I don't have to have the burger anymore. I don't have to have the big plate of food. I don't have to have the latest and the greatest. I don't. Not to be, not to, not to worship God and not to um, be above anybody even though I am above people, right? I'm living a queen's life right now. And I've always been living a queen's life, but you, America won't let you be great. Um, so I, I, I hope to be able to bring this home and somebody catches on because everybody else, I'm like, you on your own. You don't have to do what I do, but what I do is, is, is for my own survival and for my own benefit because I've learned it in Egypt. Egypt is made me a better person. It's made me a better human being. It's made me more beautiful. It's made me more voluptuous. It's made me more alive. It's made me more courageous. It's made me more confident. It's made me. And whenever I, you know, I'm actually like excited because this weekend I do my first exhibit in the, in the student art show. They do this, the, the high school, the, I mean, this, this, the art show here, they invited the teachers to participate. I have to tell y'all about that. I went to my director and I was like, uh, I walked into his office and he had some tapestries in there and they were so beautiful. And he was like, yeah, are you going to do the art show? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really visual. You know, um, well, I'm visual, but I didn't bring any of my uh, heirlooms with me. So I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to what I would do, because I told him I was like, I'm more of a performance artist than I am like visual. And but I think I was like downplaying myself at the time because I didn't really think about it. And he was like, well, you could always mime. And then I've kind of played around with mime and I was like, eh. I don't want to be there all day, though. Like, I want to go and see the art and come home. <laughs> and then he said, well, you could always tap dance. And y'all know me. You know, in America, you can't say tap dancing to no black person because it's, it's a part of our pain. It's a trigger. And him being from Great Britain is probably, you know, it's kind of like, you know, nigga, you know what you're saying at the same time you... You're not, you don't mean, you don't, you don't, you haven't processed it enough to realize it's a trigger because you don't come out of that, but you are the, you, you, historically you come out of the origins of it. I didn't say, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even, I mean, I was triggered on the inside, but I was like, no, I said, I didn't bring my tap dancing shoes with me. That's what I told him. I said, I didn't bring my tap dancing shoes. But when I walked out of there, I was a little heated. I was just a little heated, like right up under, you know, the fire had been turned on, but it was on low. So it, I wasn't boiling or anything like that. But I was like, okay, that was my that was my call to courage. That was my call to creativity. That was my call to figure it out and go, you know what? When my director shows up at that show and he sees what I submitted, he's going to be like, she figured it out. And then I can, we can all move on. Because his daughter has a whole wall. Like, they have given his daughter, she has like 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 pieces. Maybe 15 to 20 pieces on a whole, the director's daughter. Now, she's good. 
She knits. She uh, does graphic arts. She does all of this. I mean, she's good. Good, good. And his wife has entered some of her stuff. She knits. She crochets. She collects tapestries. They they collect <clears throat> antiques. So they have, you know, uh, submitted some things. And I took my little selfie portraits and printed them out on that black and white printer. And I'm calling them art. <laughs> art for art's sake. But I think... Yeah, I'm like, I just appreciate it, y'all, because instead of getting mad, I got even, you know, I just got even, you know, when people make you mad, like you got to you got to understand that God is trying to tell you something. You got to understand that if you get mad, if you get too mad, you're in the you're headed in the wrong direction. You just got to turn around and stop and think. But it takes it takes skill to, to, to not let somebody take you off your game and then take that energy and manifest it into something else that's great and that benefits you and that it benefits those who experiences it it's hard it is hard y'all 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 can't imagine me sitting in that office going did he just say tap dance and then I was like girl don't even don't even do not even it's the end of the school year don't and then go well what am I supposed to do but it's like you go home and you figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, then you keep on moving. Because that wasn't your battle. That wasn't your battle. And you don't have to check him or any of that. That's not your battle. So um, that's it. That was the Museum of Civilization. I'm glad I finally got most of that out. I will go back before I leave here. And I do want to also say, y'all, that I have a interview coming up that y'all are going to be ecstatic to hear from here and I'm hoping we can get it make it happen I'm scheduling it she scheduled it for Tuesday but y'all will get to hear from my little Libra attorney future attorney Laura y'all will get to actually hear her voice and she says she got something on her mind that she needs to say because these kids have figured out my they found me they have found one year in Egypt I don't know how because I ain't tell them nothing they know that I walk around here with my phone. They know I have a podcast, but I don't tell them nothing. So they have found me out. They have discovered me, and they got something to say. So I'm going to allow them that 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 moment to be heard um, and uh, experienced by whoever is listening to this podcast. So with that being said, I'm going to finish, um, move on to the next project, which is taking some notes and getting them back to my friend Tanya. And I will talk to you guys later. Be good, be good, be good, be God. Peace.